Hello, and welcome to Faculty Feed with me, Dr. Jerry Rabelais, Associate Vice President for Health Science Center Faculty Development at the University of Louisville. With me are my co-hosts, Dr. Stacy Sainer, Director of HSC Faculty Development, and Dr. Laura Weingartner, Director of Research for Faculty Health Professions Education. Once a week, we're going to come together to use this podcast to bring faculty development content to feed your hunger and satisfy your appetite so you can magnify your impact as an educator, clinician, researcher, and academic leader. Today we have Dr. Kanitha Williams. She is an assistant professor at UofL School of Nursing. She is almost a brand new faculty member. She's been here for about a year and she went through the Delphi's program on the seminar for teaching for new faculty and that's what we're going to talk about today. Dr. Kanitha Williams, welcome to Faculty Feed. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to join you all. What's your background? What brought you to UofL, the nursing school, and that sort of thing? I have my doctor in nursing practice with a specialization in psychiatric mental health nursing. I also have my master's of science in clinical psychology and a few bachelors, of course, as well. Psychology has been my heart since high school when I took a psychology elective. So long history with psychology and psychiatry. I'm so happy to be here at the School of Nursing. How did you get from clinical practice to the nursing school? I had two amazing nursing professors um, during my Bachelor of Science in Nursing program. I would like to shout out Professor Gessler and Professor Clark. Uh, they were um, fantastic instructors while I was with them and their passion for nursing really stayed with me when I left them. They had a, a huge impact on my life during that time and I found myself having that same excitement towards psychiatric nursing and I really felt like I could bring that to the classroom to inspire students no matter what specialty they were interested in. So that is ultimately what factored into me coming over to the educational side of nursing. Wow, so both of those individuals you brought up have been guests on faculty <laughs> feed. So that's exciting. So I'm sure they will uh, thoroughly enjoy your shout out. So you talked about just now like what brought you to become a nurse educator. So I, I love that you bring it up because as, as faculty and educators in general, sometimes we don't get feedback or if you do get feedback, it's, it's years later. What courses have you been teaching at the nursing school? Right now I am teaching psychiatric mental health nursing for the BSN students as well as the MEPIN students. So MEPIN is Master's Entry into Professional Nursing, so a second degree program. And then the BSN is the Undergraduate uh, Bachelor of Science in Nursing program. Do you find that those students, um, it's very different to have those two levels of students? Do you, do you have to use different kinds of teaching strategies with each of them? Very much uh, so. The MEPIN students come to us with degrees in various specialties already. So they already bring with them knowledge and career experiences and life experiences and working with clients, patients, or in different fields. So sometimes I have to teach up to their level to make sure that they're really getting a good quality education um, based off their past experiences. They already know about psychology. Some of them have degrees in psychology already. So with them, I can teach up to a, a higher level in terms of how deep we get into the material. 
it's really important, especially with adult learners, that we really take into account what their background knowledge is and be able to take that background knowledge and help them make connections to this new material. So by you actually saying, hey, I know you guys have some of this background knowledge, let's move forward. You're doing a really great job of motivating your learners to really want to excel. I mentioned at the introduction that you took part in the Delphi's program uh, called the Seminar for Teaching for New Faculty. The Delphi Center generally puts out the call at the beginning of the year for any new faculty member, and they generally take faculty that have been here between zero and about three years. So they really are looking for new faculty, new educators, uh, so that they can have uh, an opportunity to help these new educators learn best practices in regards to teaching and learning. And so some of the topics that they work on every year is thinking about your own identity as an educator, so your professional identity as an educator, teaching so students actually learn, so what are those practices that you can actually help them learn. They spend significant time on student engagement, learner engagement in general. So Stacy, it sounds like this is a very important program because I think what we've come to learn over this past few years is that faculty across the university, as they are brought on to the faculty, They've come through either graduate programs and doctoral programs in, in any of the any of the areas where they may be may become uh, expert, um, but certainly from the medicine standpoint and dental and nursing standpoint, we've learned that there is no training about how to be a great educator, and it turns out engineers and social workers and English teachers and communications people they don't get trained either in how to be educators. They get trained how to be researchers maybe. Yes but they don't get trained how to be educators. And so the Delphi's program on how getting new faculty up to speed pretty quickly, at least getting them started on the right foot as they get in early before bad habits creep in and bad evaluations creep in, that's so important. Coming in as a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner, one of the things that we always focus on is knowing who your patient is. And transferring into education, the seminar for new faculty really helped me focus on knowing who your students are and that was a large portion of what we talked about in those first couple of meetings that we had together is know who your students are and then know who you are and who you want to be as their educator and I really enjoyed that being a new professor that really helped me see my students in a new light. I also enjoyed being able to share different ideas and different strategies for getting students active in the classroom and engaging them in really learning and understanding the material. And I also really enjoyed that while not only focusing on the academic portion, we really talked a lot about being mindful that our students come from various backgrounds and they all have different barriers that they come to us with and we should always be mindful of that and meet them where they are and don't just care about their academics but also care about them as individuals and what they're going through. So that is what I enjoyed the most about that seminar is that we never left out the humanistic part of being an educator. What did that look like with your classes when you tried to apply those principles of like not leaving out students or understanding their barriers? For me, it um, looked like, one, always being mindful. Uh, if I noticed one of my students who was more talkative, coming in less talkative, looking down, always taking a moment to connect with them, 
reaching out, hey, is there anything I can help you with? Any questions, any concerns? I noticed you didn't ask a lot of questions today. Did you uh, understand everything covered or was it taking a moment to sink in? Let's talk about it. It also looked like being flexible flexible with assignments. Uh, let me work with you all. Let me take off some of the weight where I can. Mm -hmm. You know, we still have to get things done here, but we have some room to be flexible. I love that. Being flexible is so important. I mean, most of my students are faculty, right? So I have surgeons and nurses and, and people that are coming in and being flexible is so important. And I don't care. It doesn't matter what level. It could be an undergraduate, master's, or a faculty member taking courses. Being flexible is just part of life, and being a really good inclusive educator, taking into account what's going on in your learner's life, right? Right, because it's not just what they bring in, and but, but it's their environment, or what's going on at home, or, or the child is sick at home, or... or dad is sick for one of your you know undergraduate nursing students it, it, you never know quite what's going on unless you do what you suggested take time to engage stop and just ask and that could be so helpful just to let them have a place to to say this is I need an extra week to get this assignment done this is what's going on can I have the extra time and that's that's just powerful could you tell us a little bit more about the seminar on teaching for new faculty? So were your colleagues from all over UofL? Yes, um, I, we had colleagues from the School of Medicine, uh, College of Arts and Science, School of Social Work. So we were varied in our specialties in the schools that we came from. Uh, school of Engineering was there, Speed School, so it was really diverse. There's a final project that you have to do as part of the seminar. Could you describe what you did for yours? Yes. For my final project, I decided to focus on the use of an unfolding case study to increase student engagement. And the reason I chose this topic um, is because in nursing, the national exam that students have to take is going to move to including case studies on the exam as opposed to multiple choice, uh, fill in the blank, or select all that apply, there will be actual case studies. So it's important that we start to have our students practice early with using a case study so that they're prepared when it comes time for them to take their NCLEX exam. The unfolding case study is quite different from a traditional case study, and I know we'll be talking about that uh, a little later on, but that is the ultimate reason why I chose to the unfolding case study. I actually love this idea um, because I am fully aware of how the NCLEX is changing to uh, increase critical thinking or examine if your incoming nurses are being able to critically think and utilize clinical reasoning skills. The NCLEX exam, for those of you that are unaware, is the national licensure exam for nurses to be uh, licensed to practice nursing. I'm sure a lot of our, our uh, listeners understand what a case study is. So could you kind of explain what an unfolding case study is? Yes. So your unfolding case study is different from a traditional case study where all the information is provided, nothing changes. Here's your scenario, answer these questions. The unfolding case study provides an initial background and assessment of a patient, and as the students progress through the study, they're presented with a change in the patient's status that the students then have to respond to by thinking critically and reasoning what their next steps should be. So an example would be 
Bob came to the ED, these are his symptoms, these are the doctor's orders, what do you do? So the students will answer those questions and then they get presented with that change in patient status. Bob is now hypotensive, he's tachycardic, he is delirious. What are you going to do now? These are your new orders. What, are you, what is your priority and why? I love that because that really is moving towards a, a better way of assessing critical thinking and clinical reasoning skills because multiple choice just can't do that. Uh, Stacy, the, the other reason it's a good idea, and it's a great way to approach this, is this is the real world. Yeah. This is what happens. Yeah. Uh, people don't come in and stay exactly the same for the next <laughs> eight hours or eight days. The purpose of them being in the hospital is because they're likely to be changing. Otherwise, it could be home. This is a great way to assess real world uh, problems and thinking on your feet because the nurse is the person at the bedside. They're the ones who see the minute-to-minute, hour-to-hour, day-to-day change more so than the physicians do. And the nurse is just so important in picking up early and alerting the system, whatever it is, doctors on call, the ICU attending, whoever it is, the ER doctor. It's just so important that they're sent. They're like the early warning system. They're the ones, even if the patient doesn't have something dramatic like a seizure or their blood pressure drops out, they might notice something far more subtle, that they're a little less communicative than they were when they came in, or now they have a fever and they didn't, and, and I wonder what's going on. And so you are the ones that are at the front line, the very front line, seeing these things as it happens, and the nurse's ability to recognize and then know what to do is just vital. And these unfolding case studies sound like a great way to teach those skills. So how did you incorporate the unfolding case studies in your class? So this summer I had the chance to do an unfolding case study in one of our clinical simulation days. Um, and it was very, very nice. Had really great feedback. What I did for the students is we had three groups and we had three activities that day. So each group rotated through each activity. When it came time for the unfolding case study, I presented it as shift change. So group one, you come in, here is your history of the problem, here's some social history, I need you to tell me your initial assessment. What do you think is going on here? And then from that, tell me what is the relevant assessment data and the clinical significance of your data. And what are your next steps based on the orders? So then group one, formulated their portion of the patient situation, and then they gave shift report to group two. Love this. And then group two was presented with their change in patient status, and they had their whole assessment that they had to go through, and again, tell me, what is the relevant assessment data, and what is the clinical significance of that? What was the assessment data from the mental status exam that was significant, and why? And then clinical reasoning. What's the primary problem that your patient is experiencing? What is the underlying cause? Here are your orders. What is your priority? And then they did their portion, gave shift report to group three, who had another patient change, and they had to go through the whole process. And at the end, we debriefed we put it all together because the other groups did not know what happened right. if it wasn't their shift. Right. right. Oh, wow. I, I love this. Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting excited. It's getting better and better. It is. 
So I guess I know the question this one's going to, Laura's going to ask, she's going to say, so do you have this plan for a research study so that, so what are your plans? I do. So I was able to put together a quick pre and post assessment. So for the case study that we did in clinical this summer, it was on schizophrenia and someone having an acute episode of psychosis. So the week before we had had our lecture on schizophrenia. So for their pre-assessment, I did quick Likert style questions. What um, is your level of uh, confidence in your ability to assess for the signs and symptoms of schizophrenia? Uh, can you identify a nursing diagnosis? What is your level of comfort there? Um, and are you confident in your ability to implement nursing interventions for a patient. So I did a quick pre and post test um, on those topics. And for the post, I did ask, do you feel like this activity increased your critical thinking, your clinical judgment? So I will be working on designing a study based on their pre and post assessment feedback and using some of their qualitative statements as well. Some students left good feedback about how they enjoy the activity. It helped them think critically and use their knowledge. And a few of some constructive feedback was, it was kind of hoarding groups of eight. So they were like, can we have a smaller group? Yeah, um, interesting. But yeah, I do plan on doing research on this one. So did they, um, when you all did the group debrief, did the students talk about not realizing, you know, things that had happened in the other groups? They did. Um, some uh, shift report is new. They really haven't had that experience. So information was left out from one shift to another. A patient was given a med they had already received earlier. Um, and then other groups said, well, I would have given this med instead of this med, and this is why they were having this. So you should have considered something that's quicker acting as opposed to an oral. So they had lots of discussion, um, and they were sh they were excited to see what happened with this patient. They were like, oh, he didn't de-escalate, but he was calm for us. I can't believe he ended up in restraints. And some said, oh, I knew he was going to need restraints. He was just a lot going on. And they got to use those terms they learned the week before. So they said, oh, I see what you mean now. He has a neologism, making up words. So. When we put it all together, they really enjoyed it. It was nice to see them. Um, when I went into the room to check on them, they were all up, engaged at the whiteboard, writing out their information. And they were like hooting and hollering over each other. And <laughs> I think we need to do this and we're gonna do that. And, but he's doing this, but did we consider that? And it was really nice to see them be that engaged. Because when you think about engagement, my favorite definition of engagement is you as the educator, the faculty can leave the room and the learners are still going at it, right? And that's exactly what you just described. So that is the pinnacle of student engagement. In terms of your effort, um, compared to other content that you develop for teaching, what was the um, effort load for the um, <laughs> for the unfolding case study? So I did find um, an unfolding case study outline online. I used that as the bones and I built this case study and it took me several hours to build it up oh, to yes. where I wanted it to be. Um, this is like 25 pages. Yeah. So it was a lot of effort, but now that I have this together, I can easily change it out to be anything. This can be bipolar, this can be depression, it could be 
uh, dementia, suicidal ideation. It could be substance use. Now that I have the bones down, I can easily go in, change out the information, and make it whatever I need it to be. But that initial effort took me several hours. But it's to the point where the students were like, "Did you did you do this? This is really good." So I, I know it's to a good point now. So um, now that I have this, I'm more than happy to share, and it's easily I can easily change it now. Let me ask this: it, it, This sounds like such a powerful teaching tool, and you obviously were very touched and moved by what happened as this came out. Have you shared this with your other faculty colleagues at the School of Nursing, and are you helping them to develop these kind of case studies? So I did share a little bit about what I was doing uh, for the seminar, uh, the use of unfolding case studies, and I talked to a few of the faculty about it, but we didn't get a, a lot of time to really get into it. But we do plan on using the unfolding case study for in the fall with our BSN group of students. Uh, Professor Clark and I will be adapting this to use it with that group. Um, and I'm more than happy to share it with any of the other faculty at School of Nursing, School of Medicine here on Health Science Campus. So, Kenita, we always ask our guests to give our audience, our, our listeners, something to do after they hear the podcast. So what is one thing you would recommend that our listeners put into practice next week after they hear this? One thing I would recommend is to try a mini case study and lecture. Maybe after you, in all of our health science professions, when we're lecturing, we're always covering your assessment. What does it look like? How do you formulate your diagnosis? What is your plan of care? So maybe try a mini case study. After you lecture on the assessment data, maybe present them with a small case study and have them pick out that important assessment data and ask them, why is this the most important? Well, what is the most important point? And then as you continue your lecture, maybe slide in a, another portion of a case study that's a change and ask them what is different from your first assessment and why is that important and how did you arrive to that point so just maybe introduce a little small case study every 30 to 45 minutes as you lecture to break up the monotony of us just lecturing Thank you so, so much, Dr. Williams. We were so excited to have you on Faculty Feed. I can't wait to hear about how this research goes, and uh, we will definitely be back in touch after that project gets going. Thank you all so much. It's been a great experience here with you all this morning. Have you ever heard of the Health Professions Education Certificate Program at the University of Louisville? This 12-credit-hour course has been taken by more and more people over the past five years as we redesigned the layout of that course. Next Friday on Faculty Feed, you'll have a real treat with Dr. Brian Williams from the Department of Neurosurgery at the University of Louisville as he talks about the impact that this certificate program has had on his day-to-day -day education of residents and students that he is responsible for teaching. Join us next Friday. You're going to love this podcast. If you want to up your game as a professional educator or to enhance your leadership skills in the academic setting, this is the place to be as together we strive to make UofL a great place to learn, a great place to work, and a great place to invest. Don't forget to check out the show notes for links and additional information from today's session, as well as our email address. Feel free to contact us at facfeed at louisville.edu. That's F-A-C-F-E-E-D at louisville.edu. Join us next time for more and come hungry.